Uh, let's begin with prayer. Father, Father, Son, Son, and Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. We give you thanks, Heavenly Father, for the gifts of this day and for all the good things that you give us, and especially as we pray and begin this podcast, Lord, may all of our conversation be focused on you to help us gain deeper knowledge of you and your love for us and all the ways that you call us to holiness and to evangelize and preach the good news that you are risen from the dead. And you lift us through the intercession of Our Lady and all the saints as we pray, Hail Mary. Full of, full of grace, grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. And start the clock. Beautiful. Oh, it's official now. Now it's official. <laughs> so welcome to our podcast. Is the executive? I make everybody executive director. Last week I made executive director. That's accurate. That's, yeah. that's, that's, I was right <laughs> this time. Right. See, executive director of the Lumen Christi Institute, uh, which we're going to talk about today. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Father. Father Dominic. <laughs> so, Danny, tell what is the Lumen Christi Institute? The Lumen Christi Institute was founded in 1997, so it's been around about 25 years, and we are a Catholic nonprofit in Hyde Park, next to the campus of the University of Chicago. And what we do is we offer lectures, seminars, and not-for-credit courses for students and faculty at the University of Chicago and for the broader community on topics that relate to the church's intellectual tradition. So it's a wide range of things, uh, any way that the church interacts, intersects with an academic discipline. So we just had a set of Renaissance music concerts this past weekend. And so that's that's one thing, you know, where we had there were three locations. One was on campus at the university. One was in the west suburbs in Oak Brook. Mm -hmm. And then the other was in the north side of the city. Was Um, it at the court theater? On the campus, or was it like it was in Swift Hall, which is the Divinity okay. School? Oh, I you think know, okay, cool. They anyway, I could I could say more about that, but it's all sorts of things. So we've had conferences about the how Catholic social teaching really is informed can be informed by how economics and Catholic social teaching can interact and inform one another. We've had lectures on the history of the church, on you know the philosophy of Thomas Aquinas. I mean, all sorts of things. And is that yeah. available for priests to go to just to kind of like yeah, this guy gives me because I need some help, right? Oh, I appreciate the wisdom of the angelic doctor and this guy. There's nothing wrong with with Thomas Aquinas. It's great for preschoolers, but eventually you got you to graduate out into you know like Bonaventure or you know real theology. That's all. In this podcast, at one point. And I quote Thomas writes in like question answer format. Okay. I I quote our good pastor here by saying, 
the one thing Thomas got right. <laughs> Literally, he said that. He said, he said, you know, the one thing Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh my goodness. Anyway. wrong. <laughs> Most of his proofs forgot existence. Oh my, goodness. Yeah. Oh, my goodness gracious. Holy smokes. Anyway, so. We like to have fun here, Dan. Just invite, <laughs> just in, gentle encouragement anytime Aquinas, you know, we can bring it. Aquinas for dummies. Like that. We've got something coming. Not, not for dummies, but we got something coming. Up. The original oh. for dummies books is Summa Theologica. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are all dummies. It's a hard place. Yeah. <laughs> but I should say, I guess my, um, that like our, our, our official mission is to engage the secular university with the Catholic intellectual tradition. So we try to think of ourselves as we're not trying to be preachy, you know, or um, to you know, force people to enter the church, you know, uh, not that anyone is really doing that uh, right now, uh, but rather we just want to be, we want to engage the university in dialogue. And we think that Catholics can learn something from the secular, the education offered at a secular university and vice versa, that the university can learn a lot from the Catholic tradition. So are you, are Lumen Christi Institutes, are there multiple of them or... Are so, you the only one? So we we're just there's just one called Lumen Christi Institute, but uh, in the 25 years since it was founded, there have been a variety of other institutes, Catholic institutes at secular universities that have popped up, inspired by the model that my predecessors started. So, well, so you're only the second director. Uh, that's right. That's oh, right. Way so cool. the, okay. the first one, uh, Thomas Levergood, uh, was a graduate student at University of Chicago and felt that this was his calling uh, to yeah. to do a, to do a ministry for the intellectual life of the church. Can we just take and, one moment to appreciate that man's name? That is a cool Levergood. name. Thomas Levergood. Like that is just uh, <laughs> that is a cool name. Yeah, you're like, okay, you're going to you're called. <laughs> pull the good levers of the intellectual tradition of the church. Like, that is that's a good name. Thomas Levergood, he was meant to be the first founder. <laughs> he was a good man. Um, so like, so then there's no religious order associated with Lumen Christi. That's right. I mean, we have, okay. so we do have for a long time, we've had a scholar in residence. We've had Jesuits as scholars in residence. Um, uh, we had one named father Paul Mankowski who died a couple of years ago. And, uh, now we have father Peter Bernardi, who's a retired professor from Loyola, Chicago. And he, uh, does, uh, courses, uh, for us is one of the offerings that we have. And, but it's mostly a lay institute. And so since it was founded, there have been folks that have passed through in various ways, have been involved with the organization that then said, I want to start something like this at my university. So uh, Harvard has one now called the Harvard Catholic Forum. And there's another one at Cornell. There's one at University of Southern California that was started by a fellow who was a graduate student here in mm -hmm. Chicago. There's one at University of Pennsylvania, and then there's one at University of Virginia. Duke just started one. University of Michigan just started one. So we're hoping that, you know, in a few years, <laughs> there's going to be like a New York Times article, and they're like, what's going on? You know, like all the, the top universities all have these Catholic institutes sort of, you know, adjacent, you know, running all these programs trying to, I mean, really it's to show, my simple way of understanding it is to show that the church at its best is a thinking church is a church that fosters questions that is that's yeah. something that bishop robert Barron yeah talks about a yeah. lot absolutely he was my rector at mundelein seminary for the three years he was a rector and then my last year is when he was ordained bishop um 
but I, one of the things that just irked him to his core mm-hmm. was how the, the church, over the many years of dumbing down the faith, people just refuse to believe how intellectual yeah. we've always been. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. As much as I give Thomas a hard time, <laughs> um, one of my good friends is a Franciscan, and mm-hmm. a conventional Franciscan, so with Bonaventure and, sure. and, and SCOTUS, um, and like it irks him to his core that like Franciscans just get reduced down to a bunch of tree huggers sure. and animal yeah. lovers, and yeah. people are shocked to know of the great like uh, uh, intellectual tradition in the Franciscan order that they're yeah. they're more than yeah. just Absolutely. tree huggers who like the planet. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, people have for definitely forgotten or never been told of our great intellectual tradition. Yeah, you think about Greek philosophy. Roman philosophy, things like that. Um, so there, it's it's something that you can go back to the fathers of the church, and they're not just wrestling with, well, how do we make converts? Or yeah. like Jesus said to love one another. No, they're yeah. wrestling with big pictures from yeah. the beginning. It's, yeah. it's a beautiful and rich tradition. And this was my what you variation on what you said, Paul was. I think the big revelation that I experienced as a student, as an undergrad. So I was an undergrad at University of Chicago and I was a practicing Catholic and I had no intention of leaving the church, but I had no clue as an 18 year old that the church even had an intellectual tradition. You know, I went to church every Sunday and I said prayers and I, I went to a good high school where they sent us on retreats, but there was no, there was no intellectual heft uh, as part of our education and and I got to U Chicago, where generally students have a reputation there for being kind of nerdy. Mm-hmm. And we didn't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I say it lovingly, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Self-identify as yeah, nerdy. I think you can you can move out of the corner now. But it was when I was a student there that, for the first time, I met people who were Catholic and were intellectual about Catholicism. So. You know, they would cite Aquinas in regular conversations or, you know, refer to papal encyclicals as though it were the most normal thing in the world. And the, the chaplain at the time had a Ph.D., had been a professor at Oxford. So like, well, was, here's another priest with a Ph.D. Mm-hmm. And so there are all these different, I guess, seeds that were planted. And I slowly started to realize that the church has this amazing intellectual tradition that, as you said, Paul, that there's something that the church has to say about economics, about immigration, about sexuality, about the environment. And it's not, and it's extremely thoughtful. You know, it's not just sort of, we're going to look at the catechism and see what it says. I mean, there's that, but there's, it's engaging all of the best arguments that are out there, Catholic and not. And for me, that was amazing. Yeah, the Catholic, yeah. the, Catholic, the catechism rather, of the church is, is really a distillation, right? It's yeah. a fruit. Um, of that 2,000-year tradition. It's not mm-hmm. something right. that was like, well, I guess we should say something about this now. <laughs> We've been talking about this for right. 2,000 years. How yeah. can we say this in one paragraph? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> and and totally. It's, it's, we, on the Ed Talks, we regularly will just say, all right, let's uh, let's open the catechism and yeah. read this paragraph. And yeah. invariably, hmm, well, we can't say anything better than that. So <laughs> there we go. Uh, you can just, all you can do is open it's up, true. right? It's like you can yeah. allow, allow that, that wisdom to flower mm-hmm. and to, to kind of trace its roots and things. But yeah, it, it's a, rich and beautiful tradition mm-hmm. so how do you all decide on the the topics or 
what you're going to cover in a given year. Like, what made you sure. decide to, to focus on Renaissance music? Why are you going to have a Dante lecture coming up? Sure. Yeah. It's like, what do you? What are your metrics for guessing or looking at what what we're going to present or whatever? That's a good question. Uh, it's <laughs> right now. It's to some extent, it's 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 often you know luck. So, the Dante lecture, we have a a writer in residence named Ken Woodward who used to be the editor of the religion section of Newsweek. Mm. Hilarious guy. And he was, he just, when I got to know him last year, he was saying, you know, there's this guy, Dennis Turner, that, you know, is a famous theologian. He just wrote a book on Dante. We really need to invite him. I thought, okay. So, you know, we, we did that. <laughs> and so sometimes it's just like that. Sometimes there is a, one of the things that the Institute has done for a while has been to try to reach out to, to do programming in economics and Catholic social teaching because the University of Chicago has a long tradition of being a leader in economic thought. And they have a very highly regarded school of business. And so we thought, okay, well, that's, that's a lot of people come here for that. So let's try to develop programming that, that can reach out to those folks so that they, they know that they've got a, uh, a dialogue, a dialogue partner, you know, as it were with the church. So just a couple of examples. But a lot of times it's just sort of ad hoc. Um, okay. Just what, what are people interested in now that we could talk about and bring a Catholic perspective to. Okay. Now, so uh, something that is, is interested me is the idea. So you said you're 18. You get to University of Chicago. You're obviously drawn to the intellectual tradition of a place like the University. Nobody goes to the University of Chicago like, sweet dude. Party school. Right. <laughs> I'm a major in communication. I, I, that was one of my majors, dear listeners. So <laughs> Some of my best friends are communications majors. <laughs> I, 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 I was doing this in college. Um, so, but the average 18 year old, I don't think necessarily that they're, that before that they're ready to engage. Sure richly and deeply with the intellectual tradition. Some, some are, for sure, right? Mm-hmm. But you're talking about it. Like, yeah. So, what does Lumen Christi, did, is there anything that you guys do to work with and to reach before the college age, right? Mm-hmm. And like, what, what, what are you guys doing? What's your, your thought yeah, that guides yeah. you guys into making these decisions? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that, Paul. Um, so we have, a, we have a program that we started a few years ago called our, the Newman Forum. That's for high school students, because now the the average age of disaffiliation is it's it's when you're a teenager. I mean, yeah, it's, it's the even before. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, we 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 started doing this as a way to to reach out to to teenagers. And so, there's three parts to that program. One is hopefully we can get folks from St. Ed's to come this yeah, year. Yeah, uh, so for sure. We've got a conference in February. That's all day. And take students up to Mundelein, and they have a series of. Last year it was a series of we call like lightning talks, so they're like ten fifteen minutes on a variety of topics. The theme last year was science and faith and science yes, fiction, cool. and right because you told me that uh, like here's a topic you know aliens, and so we actually did have yeah. a couple of talks you know on that uh, on that topic last year. But so the idea is to hopefully prime students when they're in high school. To know that when they go to college, they can they can look for stuff like this, and that the church the church has a tradition that they can get into, and then we also have a summer program that's a week long, 
and this is residential again at Mundelein. And so they, we had 35 students this past year and it almost doubled in size from the previous year. So, um, yeah, they, they live at the seminary guys in one area, girls in another. And then they have these uh, seminar discussions every day that were led by a couple, a married couple that teaches at Notre Dame. And the names, the Jenny and Jay Martin. Okay. And then they go to Six Flags and do stuff for fun, you know. Yeah. But but again, you know, they we, we want them to know that they're, you know, it's the expectation isn't necessarily that they're going to come out of this with all the arguments to sort of combat an atheist professor, but just <laughs> just so that you know that there are smart people out there that are Catholic, and if you have questions, you know who you can go to, or you at least you have that experience of knowing you've seen people who embody this tradition. And then there's there's an online program as well that's an apologetics group that meets I think once a month. Yeah, that's another thing. Barber, uh, Bishop, Bishop Barber <laughs> says uh, often um, is that in high school they're they're taking algebra and calculus, they're reading Shakespeare and Chaucer. Right. They should be not, yeah, I'm totally. Not saying this to be funny, but they no, should be able I to agree. handle the Summa. I agree. Like we should yep. be able to handle yep. Thomas Aquinas. Yep. Yep. Uh, and they should. They, they would be able to read it and comprehend it, but instead we give them basically a picture book yeah. as their religion book. I think that's yeah. what you're saying to yeah. some degree, Danny, is like, you, we can't give them all the answers. But you're, you're also right, Bishop Barris is also right, she's a piece, you read like books that are supposed to be kids' books from 100 years ago. People that are 13 and 14 year olds have the intellectual capacity mm-hmm. to do it. They've For just sure. been poorly formed. Yeah. And that's, that is to some yeah. degree outside of our our control at a, as a, at, from the big picture, but from a little picture, our own families, we can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, anyway, I think it's, and, and by the way, dear listener, I know you also hear Father Dom and I give a lot of grief to our brothers <laughs> and sisters that put certain two letters after their names, um, maybe S and J. <laughs> Since we talked about Franciscans and Jesuits, I'll take that <laughs> One of my favorite moments from my seminary formation. I had a, one of my good friends is a conventual Franciscan, and he had a classmate also conventual in the classroom, and we were being taught moral theology by a Jesuit priest, mm. awesome, Father Boyle is a great guy, um, and Brother Giles at the time uh, was staring out the window, and Father Boyle called on him, and was like, aren't you paying attention, brother? He said, oh yes, but I haven't paid attention. He's like, look like you weren't, what were you thinking about out the window? <laughs> and he goes... Oh, I was just thinking about Clement the Fourteenth. <laughs> if you don't know why that's funny, dear listener, go look up Clement the Fourteenth. At different universities, and we started recently, just this past year, we acquired a second building in Hyde Park. Oh, and we, cool. It actually was the what used to be the Jesuit community had gotten kind of small, and they had decided to sell the house. And they, the Jesuits, did us a great favor, gave us a great deal. Nice. On the house, and we converted it into a residence for Catholic men. Cool. At, you know, mostly for students at the university. So the idea is, in, in my, again, my, my simple way of understanding it is iron, an iron sharpening iron situation. Mm-hmm. You know, you. The, the greatest danger for st- Catholic students going to college is not actually the atheist professor. I mean, it could, that could be, but it's really the, this it's something much more subtle so it's the fact that you'll get to college say you join a sports team and you're going to travel over the weekend and if your coach isn't catholic or christian 
they might not make arrangements for people to go to church. And they're not going to find you a place to go. To right. Mass. Yeah. Yeah. And you, are you going to be the one to say like, Hey coach, can we change the whole schedule so I can go to mass? Uh, it's stuff like that. Or you're on, you're in your dorm and it's Sunday morning and who else is anyone else going? It's, 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 so this is why one of the reasons I'm really glad we have this house, because then you're in a house with other guys that are committed to the same stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you're not only going to go to mass, you're going to be praying the rosary. You're going to be in a formation group. You're going to be in a Bible study. You're going to be going to Lumen Christi events. You've got people that are really going to help you to be a better Catholic man. Be the best and, version of yourself. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're normalizing virtue. Right. Yeah. Which is yeah. a beautiful thing, and, it, and it's reinforcing when it's, you're practicing virtue in community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. My brother, yeah. Ohio State, belonged to such a household, and it was huge. That's great. Yeah, it was huge in mm-hmm. Catholic household. They, not quite intellectual, as the University of Chicago, they were <laughs> very proud of their games. May or may not have involved. But hopefully, also helped each other. Malted beverages. Not play those games too late on a Saturday night. That's right. They were, <laughs> or, they were praying the divine mercy. Or got you up on Sunday if you, if you did, and and made fun of you as you suffered all the way mass, through. You know, yeah, mass yeah. was a given, right? And like there was, yeah, absolutely. And it was, yeah, the, the conversations that as you just pass by each other of mm-hmm. you know a homily that you heard or an article that you read that mm-hmm. is deeply Catholic, and it doesn't mean that. Some people are like, oh my gosh, I just want everything to be Catholic. Oh. It's like a yes and a no. Like, mm-hmm. no, that's not true. Like, they're also talking about this band that's coming by, or they're talking about the Buckeye football game. Right. But yes, because everything that we see is viewed through the lens yeah. of the Catholic worldview. Right, which is which is actually like a true anthropological lens, right? Like right. it's not just like a cat, it's it allows us to see the world as God wants it to be seen, mm-hmm. which is uh, so yep. powerful. Yeah. Yeah, and it's totally, I mean, just to second what you're saying, Paul, it's totally a, you know, just something that's infected the culture for a couple hundred years now, uh, that back to the Enlightenment, that we should be separating, you know, that your religion should be this private thing, and uh, we shouldn't talk about it in public. I mean, the reason that that happened is, I mean, I'm, my PhD is in history. The Enlightenment happened for a variety of reasons, but one of them being that it was preceded by religious wars, as you guys know, for not just decades, but centuries. And so eventually, well, people get kind of tired of fighting, <laughs> decide, you know, well, what we really should do to just get along is keep, you know, religion private. But that was, that's not to say that you can't have religious conversations, you know, without... War. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, I think we can get past that. Uh, and, and obviously now we're, it's, it's sobering to... Clearly we're, we're, we're dealing, we're still dealing with religious war today. Uh, but I, I think we also can recognize, as you guys are saying, that you can talk about this stuff, you know, and it doesn't need to end that way. But, yeah. yeah. So our website, lumenchristi.org, is. Uh, oh yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's uh, L U M E N. That means light. Yeah. Light in Latin. C H R I S T I dot org. Yeah. Light of Christ. And we've got several events coming up. So next week, so All Saints Day, uh, we do a program where we have we sponsor lectures at 
area high schools. Right now we do them at a couple of Jesuit high schools. Uh, and they, they need you the most. So, it's okay. <laughs> so this is something really hopeful, actually. Like the, the 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 leaders of those schools reached out. Of, so it's St. Ignatius and Loyola Academy, and they reached out to us, you know, wanting to organize something like this. So it's nice to know that they they really want to. The leadership there wants to assert cool. the Catholic identity, so there's it's a good sign. Good <laughs> well, thanks for being on, Danny, with us, and hopefully have you on the podcast again soon. That would be fun. Thanks for having me. Oh, this is great. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is podcast. Or, sorry, <laughs> 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 this, this is brain fart. This is brain farts. <laughs> this is Ed Talks. Our decisions with them, and I.